When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Good Music Podcast, a show where we discuss artists, songs, and talk about why we love them. New episodes every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Central. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook and become a patron to gain access to exclusive content. And now, on with the show. Another episode of the Good Music Podcast. I'm Lucas. I'm Grant. And I'm Ethan. Uh, welcome to the show, everybody. Make sure you're subscribed because uh, we have new episodes coming out every Monday. But if you've been around for a while and you have an artist that you'd like us to talk about, uh, Facebook and Instagram, that's the best place to get a hold of us. We make sure to do one of those uh, a month, and we have a lot of awesome submissions coming in, so keep them coming. Uh, and lastly, if you are like a lover of the show, go down into the description and click on the Patreon link and then become a patron. You get episodes early and special access to our favorite segment, uh, the Bad Music Podcast, uh, which is where we talk about the six worst songs from the artists that we're talking about uh, that week. And that brings us to Lucas. Uh, oh. By the way, if you're if if you weren't haven't been here the past couple of weeks, or you're just now tuning in, um, we were doing a format where we all listen to the songs like the entire week leading up to uh, the, re- the the day that we record, and we all have heard it. Uh, we switched it up, and the episodes are a little bit shorter now for you guys out there, uh, so you can you know, <laughs> digest it quicker, but also it, makes, it feels a little bit more fresh. So I, I like genuinely saying, Lucas, who are we talking about today? Because I have no idea. So this is our fan request for the month. This comes from uh, someone that just goes by the name of Scarlet. Ooh, mysterious. Sent us a message on Instagram. And she asked us to do an episode on Nine Inch Nails. And so here we are. I, so, I, a ton of people have raved to me about Nine Inch Nails. And I have never gotten into it. Anytime that someone mentions Nine Inch Nails to me, it's always accompanied by, like, a live performance. They're like, you have to watch this Nine Inch Nails live performance. And it's fine. But I'm really excited for today. I have no idea what to expect. Yeah, I had a figure. I had a feeling that probably neither of you guys were super familiar. Is Nine Inch Nails like a rap artist? I don't know. Like that's how much I don't know. <laughs> really interesting. Is, is well, it then like... let's use this to kind of just segue right into first thoughts. So, okay, Grant, what are your first thoughts, reactions of Nine Inch Nails? Um, I. Well, obviously, I don't know. <laughs> like you've um, never heard of them at all. No, you I've heard of I've heard of them, but for some reason in my mind, I either think like it's a rap artist, 
or my mind goes to five finger death punch. <laughs> like it's one, it's one of those types of music. It's not five finger death punch. They, they could not be more opposite to each other. Okay. Wow. See, so that just goes to show what I know. So I'm a straight up five kind of like it was last week with deep purple um, even though I actually knew more context for Deep Purple than Nine Inch Nails. So, yeah, I literally don't know anything. I'm a straight-up five. That's okay. Open up for a experience. Yep. I'm I'm also a five. I'm a, I've heard a lot about Nine Inch Nails and in a positive way. It, it's, it's been one of those things where a lot of the people around me have very positive opinions of Nine Inch Nails, and I've just never gotten around to it, which is why – I'm super excited. I'm I'm like a five, but I'm very – I feel like if all of the other people that I know, like they've almost pre-sold me on, on Nine Inch Nails. So I'm just excited to – honestly, I'm – yeah, I'm very excited about this. This is the first artist where I've just been like, oh, crap, I've been meaning to get around to listening to Nine Inch Nails. <laughs> so this will be a good – this will be a good little experience. All right, so you would put yourself at a five as well. I'm, I'm probably at five as well. Um, I am fairly familiar with Nine Inch Nails before before I did the research for this episode. I had not, I wouldn't have ever listened to any of their full records, but like I could have named off like seven or eight songs of theirs. I was like, yeah, I know that, and I like it. Um, obviously, like. I had had some experience just because they uh, one of their songs was on a rock band game, so I was familiar to it with that. And then kind of over the time, just kind of dug deeper at various points, and just because they, I'll explain a little bit more when we get into it about kind of what they are, where they fit musically. But they do have that heaviness aspect that always appealed to me. Uh, even though they're they would not be considered hard rock or heavy metal, they they still live in that atmosphere, emotion wise, and so that always intrigued me enough to want to experiment and investigate more. Um, I would say that I would be at a soft seven before researching this episode, where I I don't. I didn't know a whole lot about them and I didn't know a whole lot of their songs, but there was a good handful of stuff that I'd heard from them that I really liked. Yep. Classic seven right there. Mm-hmm. So that's where we're going to be starting off here. So because you guys really have no idea what we're about to get into, then this next uh, section will be very informative. Uh, Nine Inch Nails is essentially one guy. Now, I, I, I say essentially, and I'll explain what that means in a minute, but the guy that you need to know is a man named Trent Reznor, which you've probably heard that name before. Nope. He's, he's, nope. Kind, of, he's kind of become one of those modern music just kind of giants. Um, he actually just won his second Oscar this uh, last weekend for cr- creating the score for Soul, the Pixar movie. What? Mm-hmm. Wow. Like, this Has guy... Has he won more Oscars than Grammys? 
Uh, I don't know how many Grammys he's won, but he has won two Oscars. The other one being for uh, The Social Network, doing the score for that movie. Oh, wow. Um, he's like not just like a hippie musical guy. No, this guy is the real deal. He is a he is a modern music genius. Um, he is someone that just has a very very strong vision of what he wants to do. And whenever he is in the studio, he is the only member of Nine Inch Nails. How we talked about with uh, Dave Grohl, how he made that first Foo Fighters album by himself. Yeah. Trent Reznor makes every Nine Inch Nails album by himself. Is does he have like a is he like a home studio guy, like where he like can sit with it and like work on it, kind of like his day job, or does he write everything and then like go out to a studio? He owns his own studio. Ah, so he can just play around all day. Yep. And it's so, not a studio. It's a studio studio. Like he has his label. Oh he, wow! Like he's a big deal. So everything that uh, is heard is from that studio. Um. Well, no, because the originally he the the first albums he didn't have the studio yet. It was when he is when they when he got big in the mid nineties. That's when he got the ability. But a couple of albums had already come out at that point. So. Um, Nine Inch Nails essentially begins in 88. And uh, the first album comes out in 89. The whole reason that the band started was because he was working as a hired hand in a studio in Chicago. And he had his own musical ideas, but he couldn't find anyone to... Uh, that shared the same vision he had. So he was just like, I'll just do it myself. Mm. And he wanted to give it a band name in order to create the illusion of it being a band. And anytime he would play live, he always has a band. So it is similar to Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters. Yes, but instead of it being a one album thing, like it was with Foo Fighters, it's continued to be his mode of operating. He can play everything on the record is him. Yes. Now, and, but he's got hired guys for live. Yes. Okay. And he uses a lot of the same guys over and over again to where they are considered members of the band. Okay. But it's when he's in the studio, it's like he, it's him. So he's, he's, so it's kind of like a pop star where it's like you are the band and yes. you just hired the same contractors that you like. That's a fair way of putting it, but even it's even more than that. It's considering that he's writing all the songs, he's got complete control of how everything's going to sound. He does have producers and engineers to kind of help him. Yeah, but with, he's running the show. Oh yeah, nothing nothing happens without him wanting it to. Um, Nine Inch Nails is considered, and this is a, a this is a more of a niche genre. They are definitely by far the biggest group of this genre but it's a genre we haven't really ever talked about before it's called industrial music and what industrial music is is it's the blending of and hard rock and heavy metal with electronic music oh that actually sounds kind of cool so it's it's pretty much like it's it's dark techno take take daft punk and come up with a a dark metal version of it and you have industrial 
that actually sounds Ooh. really good. So that was the vision that he had that nobody else wanted to do. Yes, industrial did exist before him. Um, you have bands like um, like Ministry. Ministry is kind of like the godfather of industrial music, but they were also like way underground. Nine Inch Nails was the first band to bring this genre to the mainstream. So then they have their first album, which I'm curious about how that went along, but I guess what was his vision for... What was his big grand vision that nobody else was getting onto? Like, what did he want to... The whole, electric, the, the whole electronic aspect of it to where it's 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 electronic but it's not 80s pop friendly bubblegum like it's it's dark it's hard it talks about real things rather than you know just kind of empty pop lyrics um he this this blending because again industrial existed but it was most people did not know about it it was very underground so when you say nine inch nails was heavy are you saying heavy like black sabbath slow and brooding or heavy like thrashy fast and hard um you could say that it depends on the song like like okay. they're like you know he's the the guitars are very distorted um, there's times where they're playing really fast. One of the songs in our set has a BPM of 269. Wow. Uh, but then also they have some very slow plotting, just like punch you in the face type songs. Um, Typical metal band, I guess. Yeah. Or, I don't know if you could call them metal. The The biggest darkness, though, comes from the atmosphere and the lyrical content. Um, Trent Reznor, he's he's a he's a really nice, well-adjusted guy now, but he had a lot of issues when he started. <laughs> he was he was he was struggling to find a lot of meaning in life, as well as dealing with the normal substance abuse things that come up with being in the music industry. So that's kind of what it talks about. Yeah, it's he always talks about, and he said that he made a distinct decision about this to not talk about world issues but to talk about personal issues very All much of, like Foo Fighters yes so oh. the opposite of say what Metallica was doing mm -hmm. in the late is where they're addressing social issues or talking about war and and capitalism like he's talking about Trent Reznor's talking about his emotions he's talking about his struggles his feelings how he feels about certain things not taking more of the reporter aspect or coming up with fictional stories. Everything is processed through what he's experiencing. And his all of his lyrics started out as things from his personal journal that he kind of mined from to pull lyrical uh, inspiration from. Uh, huh. Okay, okay. So... Uh, so in that way, it seems more uh, relatable. Yeah. And that was the big reason why their music connected with people. Um, he was saying a lot of things that other artists were not willing, at least definitely not in the early 90s. It Because this, this was pre-grunge when the first record came out and got 
he they got pretty big pretty quickly. Like that first record was instantly kind of like a, whoa! Now they're you know they're on the radar as the next big thing, mm-hmm. and it was very abnormal to be that personal about really ugly stuff, mm-hmm. unflattering things. You know, get, this is pre Nirvana where once they hit and grunge in general hit that kind of became the the in vogue lyrical style that was not really common before that um yeah. so but it was really when the second album which it was a, it was a pretty long period 89 to 94 it was about a 5 year wow. period now nine inch nails loves to release eps and singles and remixes and there's usually always like two or three of those in between every album, but there's usually a long period between the big albums. Mm-hmm. So 94 was the downward spiral, which uh, went all the way to number two on the album charts. So wow. it was a massive record. And mm-hmm. I would say the darkest and most disturbing album to go that big on the billboard charts. Like that's ever? not like ever. I would say so. After listening to that record, I kind of had to to take a moment to process what I just listened to, and I'm used to that kind of stuff. So, is it like, what is his vocal style? His vocal style is like he has a nor- like he has a normal singing style, but you know, he when he screams, it's not like a metal scream. It's more of like a pained anguish scream. Oh. And yes. he has a voice that's good, but he does a good job of making it sound raw. Like he's he's not going to always be technically correct to keep that emotional quality to it. He has a it's a very unique voice. But it's not one that when you hear it you go, "Ooh, that's weird." Mm-hmm. You hear and you go, oh, that's exactly what it needs to be. He's a he is a good vocalist. Wow. Um, it's just he he is willing to go places to really show how he feels farther than other people are willing to go. We're gonna you're gonna come across some lyrics that are gonna be like, oh, okay, we just went there. Mm. So I guess that's where the uh, the name comes from, Nine Inch Nails, is it's ultimately the uh, kind of like the thorn in the side that he's singing about. Yeah. Um, or does it just sound cool? Well, that's really where it came. So okay. he, like I said, the uh, he was a big ministry fan, mm-hmm. and um, their main uh, front man, Al Jorgensen would repeatedly tell the audience listening to ministry is like getting a nine inch nail drove through your head like a hole. And so he's like, Oh, that's cool. And then he, he took that idea and he created the logo of the N I N and was like, that symmetry is really cool. Okay. I want to keep this name. Ooh, I've seen that before. Don't, don't believe the, the myth that he used it to, uh, make fun of the the nails of Christ. That's one yeah. of those. That's one of those urban myths. That's not true. Okay. He himself has said no. That came up with that. That's one of those kiss stands for knights and Satan's service type things. Yep. 
So then after after that second album, then what happens? So that's when they explode. They get super huge. Um, and that's when um, Trent Reznor's full-on addictions really kind of consume him for the rest of the 90s. Uh, their next album comes out in... It's not as big. Still pretty big. And then he spends like the first half of the 2000s getting clean. Don't do drugs, kids. And in 2005, With Teeth comes out, and that's kind of like their big comeback. And that was a pretty huge record. But we're actually not, we're going to actually be staying in the 90s for this episode because it's kind of the best way to kind of walk into Nine Inch Nails. So how much so, stuff have had they done since 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 with teeth they have released pretty frequently but the focus has switched to doing a lot of instrumental ambient music very reminiscent to his scoring work like he has a sub series of 9 inch nails albums called ghosts and there's six different albums of them and it's all instrumental, like, atmospheric music. And it's very... I like it a lot. It's very interesting. It's it's kind of his opportunity to kind of experiment with sounds. And uh, one of the songs uh, on one of those Ghost albums, which I laughed when I heard it, is the whole basis that Old Town Road is built on. That plucking guitar <laughs> line, the boom, boom, boom. Uh, I heard I was just like oh that's where that comes from (laughs) so you just sampled the Nine Inch Nails track Uh uh-huh so you bet Trent made a lot of money off that oh yeah dude (laughs) buy a second studio with the uh, Old Town Road money yeah Yeah. giraffe money giraffe money Trent and Dave Grohl are very good friends and Dave has described Trent because Dave is very anti electronic music just because he's a soul, yeah, rock and roll guy. He wants to make records the traditional way. He has gone on record by saying that Trent is the exception. He said that he does not use technology as a crutch to make things easier that he uses it in the same way that a guitarist would use his guitar. He is con- he constantly creates his own sounds. He's not just taking sounds that already exist. Like he's one of those he's a sonic architect. And he's like that's what I love about him is that he's he's more imaginative with the technology than we could ever be with our instruments. Yeah. He's truly using it as an instrument. Yes. And he's just a, he's a guy that knows how to play every instrument. He understands theory and all the musicality stuff. Like he he's not just a sounds good kind of player. Like he knows what's going on. That's why he's able to write film scores. Yeah, yeah. You can't just write a film score being a just a yes. guy. Uh huh. And so uh, they got into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame last year, and um, like their their legacy is cemented. 
um, and they've got one of the most diehard rabid fan bases you can find because they they tapped into that outsider outcast group where they created music for people that were being disenfranchised mm-hmm. by society as a whole. Yep. And and that's who Trent was himself. He was one of those people. And he spoke about stuff to where other people listen to us. It's like, I feel that way too. I can, I can connect to this because I feel and think those same things. And I thought I was the only one. Wow. And so that's, and then on top of that, just how revolutionary at the time his music sounded. I mean, when we get into the music itself, it's just like, just have fun with all of the different things you're mm-hmm. going to That brings me to my, my favorite question to ask before that we actually listen is, so what is the Nine Inch Nails sound? What should we be really listening for uh, in the set? You're going to listen. You're going to hear a lot of things that sound like instruments, but they're not instruments. He got really good at like when you hear drums, they're not real, even though there's going to be a couple times where it sounds like it's real. You're going to hear distorted electric guitars that are not actually guitars. It's the source may be originally from those instruments, but they've all been programmed. Yeah, that's I, I heard you mention something about industrial at some point being like that. Mm-hmm. It creates the illusion of hard rock and heavy metal, but again, it's it's all synthesized. Wow. So literally, it's all... So it's... So it's not a fusion. Like It's not like there's rock elements and synth elements. It is just... It's... it's synth and techno stuff but just with the heart of rock yes okay i thought it was like real drums real guitars real piano all and also heavy synth stuff no it's it's all it's the synth stuff that and it's it's imitating those things I just, it's the abnormal thing about it is that normally you would use that to make all of the pretty sounds. So it's not, it, so is it fair to say that Nine Inch Nails is like one of the grandfathers of dubstep? Hmm. That's probably a pretty fair assessment to take. All right. So, I mean, you said that he knows how to play, you know, every instrument, right? Mm-hmm. And yet he isn't. Yes, but it's because of the fact that he knows how to play it. That's how he knows how to make it sound really good. And that goes back to what Dave Grohl was saying, where it's like he's he is, even though he knows how to play everything, he is choosing not to for the effect. Mm-hmm. It's a creative decision to use synths. Yeah. Okay. Now, what there's is- one thing I want to talk about before we get into the songs. Okay. Because this old this old because we now are on the clock while we're describing, there's something that we need to kind of lay the groundwork for. And it's the fact that the downward spiral is a concept record. Yes. Oh. Yes. Oh my gosh. We need to explain the concept before okay. we can have time to actually comment yes. about yes. what's <laughs> I'm learning. I'm learning now through this new uh, format that there's certain things I need to address beforehand and not while the song is going on. 
So that way I don't have uh, that missed opportunity like with the Courtney Love, Dave Grohl feud. Yeah. Had to cut it short. Uh, I thought I did it with Lorfeo. Um, yeah. But also at the same time, we, you know, I got to translate like, a lot of the lyrics. All right. So concept. Mm-hmm. So the concept is it's, he's claimed it's semi-autobiographical because obviously he does not go through the insane depths that the nameless character of Downward Spiral goes, but pretty much the whole album traces his downward spiral through uh, and guilt and shame and ultimately suicide and redemption. That's so the, the main character, he starts off wanting to rebel against all forms of authority, be that earthly and heavenly. He does not want to be a slave to anyone. He wants to become his own god. He wants to be the ruler of his own life. And he spends about the first half of the album trying to break free of it. And through that process is becoming quite the despicable person. And he, um, his main tool of expressing his authority over other people is through sex and kind of his ex, ex, the way that he views God as an abuser and a, uh, a, a force for evil. He then projects that onto the people around him as he becomes his own God. He becomes the, the mirror of what thinks God is supposed to be like. And once he truly steps into that uh, into that role, this other side starts to emerge inside of him. Now that he has broken free of being subject to anyone, now comes nihilism, where because there is no absolute, then there is no reason. There's no reason for existence. There's, there's no reason to do anything right. There's no reason to do anything wrong. There's only, um, there's only emptiness. And then starts the inward struggle between the, the the harmful voice inside of his head that tells him that, you know, your life and your meaning is meaningless. You have no purpose. There's no reason to keep doing anything. And this feeling of trying to recapture back your humanity. Eventually he gets so desperate that he attempts to kill himself. It's ambiguous whether or not he does actually die. But at the very end of the album, he finally finds out that he was wrong about everything. That to feel and to hurt is to be human. And he realizes finally at the end all that he has become. And and finally allows and begs for someone to have control again. Because he cannot 
exist without control. Weird. Mm-hmm. It's deep. It's very deep. I was when I was researching, I was just like, holy crap. Mm. That is that is a little bit more than your average dream theater concept album. Yeah, it's not a it's not a, you know It's not of the wall. It's not a hero's villains or something with a lot of concrete events. It's very internal. But it does have a progression. It it sounds kinda like uh like like a Pantera concept record. Yeah. Something they would do. Um I I actually do have a couple more questions. So as far as like before like from eighty eight to two thousand five, is there like like a sound progression that he's working towards? Like did the sound change over time, I guess? Um yeah, so so the progression through like when you hear the first record, it's mm-hmm. it still has a touch of the eighties to it. It's it's much more song driven. Mm-hmm. Where when you get to the downward spiral and the fragile, which is the ninety nine record, it's much more album oriented, like to where you have a lot of interspersed like instrumental sigues and mm-hmm. the songs aren't chopped into like verses and choruses. Like it's very much more about the 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 big picture. Mm-hmm. And then when you get to with teeth in 05, it's a return back to more song structure. But now with all of the the lessons that he's learned about sound can with teeth is a really, really good record. It's probably the most satisfying one to listen to from front to back. Although the downward spiral is the better record just because the scope and the depth and just the emotion that it crosses so heavy and so potent. But when you're, you know, with Keith, it's just like, oh, that's a great song. That's a great song. And it's just, it just boom, boom, boom. Like the whole record is great. Wow. And then um, we, we didn't talk anything about, side band members and personnel is that because they are uh not necessarily important to the story they're no and they're they are usually changing okay Uh, and i didn't really uh research who all else was in the band so So we don't have we don't have any notable long-running anyone no not really Mm. okay well that answers that i'm ready to listen all right you've painted uh a uh, musical mystery for us to listen to. Yes, <laughs> it's so true. fun when you guys have no idea even what this is going to sound like. Yeah, it's just I like, am... oh, it's metal techno. Okay, I'm so excited. All right, well, we'll go ahead and take a break, and when we come back, we are going to talk about the six songs we have picked for this episode. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. This episode of the Good Music Podcast is brought to you by Southern Safe Rooms. When severe weather threatens, you want the maximum protection for you and those you love. If an intruder forces their way into your home, you need a secure space for you and your family to take shelter in order to stay safe. 
If you want a secure place to store your guns, guitars, or other valuables like drums, a custom shelter is the solution you need. Southern Safe Rooms builds custom certified safe rooms that can be installed in your home, garage, workshop, or anywhere you have a concrete reinforced slab. Southern Safe Rooms builds all of our safe rooms in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and can install them on any reinforced concrete slab. The Southern Safe Rooms custom storm shelters can withstand wind speeds of up to 250 miles per hour. Southern Safe Rooms have been tested by Texas Tech University and are built to exceed FEMA standards to withstand an EF5 tornado. The Southern Certified Safe Room is constructed with the highest quality materials, far exceeding conventional storm shelter construction. With over 110 years, count them, of steel manufacturing experience, Southern Safe Rooms knows how to build a secure shelter for your home. Call 918 918- Five eight four three three seven one, or visit our website southernsaferooms.com Welcome back everyone to the Good Music Podcast. We've been talking about Nine Inch Nails and this is our monthly listener requested episode and in the previous segment Lucas has piqued my interest on this band and I'm sure he's piqued Ethan's interest as well into what this band is really about. And now it is time to get into our second segment, our six-song segment. And for those of you who are new, welcome. We're glad you're here. And Lucas, could you explain to those of us who are new what exactly we're doing in this segment? So this is our opportunity to introduce you to the band officially with some of their music. The way that I pick these songs is if you've never listened to Nine Inch Nails or if you are a skeptic, if you're like, I don't like Nine Inch Nails – This set is my attempt to try and win you over as a fan, to get you interested to uh, investigate more into them. And uh, I'm not just picking what I think are their six best songs or what are my six favorites, but what's going to best give you a first step into the band, as well as ordering them and picking them in a way to where they flow with each other from start to finish, that they transition well, and that by the end you have a significant emotional experience, a catharsis, if you will. The way that you can listen to these songs is there is a link in the description of the episode that goes to a Spotify playlist where you can listen to not only the songs here on this episode, but all the ones from our previous episodes as well. And also... Ethan and Grant have never heard these songs before, and they're going to listen to them live as we talk about them. So if you would like to join in with that, you can go ahead and uh, pull up the playlist, and we're going to give like a three, two, one, and then we're going to be talking about the songs as we're listening to them. So you can almost treat it like a like a commentary track. So um, for those of you that like to uh, participate that while you get that set up, we're going to start – at the very beginning, it just feels natural. It's let's start at the very beginning, a very good place to start. As uh, first song in the first album, yeah, first song from the first album, second Oops. single, but it was their first hit single. All right, so this is this is pretty much the song that that got them going. And uh, if you if you know if you recognize whenever I was uh, said where the the name yep. of the band comes from. How it's like a nine-inch nail is a in your head like a hole. Mm-hmm. Well, that's where it comes from. That I I thought I recognized that. All right, 
Let's get into it. Here we go in three, two, one, play. So that's some little, little Latin flair. So this was actually the last song added to the album. Isn't that always the way that it works? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that sounds so real. Those drums. Mm-hmm. Very so 80s drums. Yeah. It's, so the first album does have a lot of 80s connection to it. You know, he hadn't really become an expert in sonic creation yet. But still, for a first try, this whole album is pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. But I mean that that dark synth line just is very infectious. Ooh. So hear what his voice sounds like. Mm-hmm. Ooh. It's almost like yeah. a sting. So yeah, it's, it's it, like it's not abnormal, but at the same time it's very unique to him. So Head Like a Hole is all about greed, whether that be greed of the corporate machine or the greed of organized religion anyone that uses money as power money that is used to benefit themselves and to push everyone else down oh oh did you just get to the chorus yeah so this is a great chorus this song actually has two great choruses so no, whenever this course is over, thing is another great hook Oh, and man. that's not a guitar. No. What the heck? Ooh. Oh, I've heard this. Oh, yeah, my this gosh. One of their biggest songs. Oh, my gosh. No way. Wow. Maybe I do this, know Nine Inch Nails. This song. is like a weird dark 80s. Mm-hmm. I like this, though. This is really good. <laughs> <laughs> wow and and that album cover is weird that looks like what is that supposed to be I'm not even like a microphone it looks like, be like off of a car yeah like that's what I, that, that's like, what I thought but it also looks like it's a floating bridge for a guitar but also I'm a guitarist so maybe I just see guitar parts everywhere I mean maybe <laughs> yeah I'm not quite sure what it is I think that was intentional yeah <laughs> But do you hear how it's, his voice is raw, but it's not like metal scream? Yeah. Well, and you can also tell that it's like he has a good voice behind it, and mm-hmm. he's intentionally like losing control in certain places, right? Like there, you can tell there's a very big difference between somebody who's losing control and it's not sounding good versus I'm going to give up the control of my voice for like a like an artistic effect. Yeah. So yeah, this this whole song is about his defiance against the uh, the people that demand his subservience. You know, the, everyone else follows blindly, but he is going to stand and say no. Ooh, when a little drum be- oh, yeah, you got a drum break down here. Yeah, like that kick sounds so real. I mean, it definitely sounds like processed drums, but it doesn't sound like a drum machine. Yeah. Oh, it sounds that's like definitely... 80s drum effects on real drums. Uh-huh. And that uh, that doubled vocals, that octave, ugh, man, that's like a two-octave range just for that, and that's pretty low range. Does he have a high range? Are we going to see any of that? No, not really. 
Okay, because he's definitely got a low range. He's he's fairly close to the top of his range here. Wow. And he does does a concept album with a range like that. Mm Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. Um, yeah, so he was he was pretty upset when this song became his first big hit because he felt that he had slaved over all the other songs <laughs> on the album, and he said he made the song in like fifteen minutes. Oh, that that's always how it is, and <laughs> and like considered this to be a throwaway song, and then it became huge. He was just like, "Well, crap." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but of course, you know, he's he understands and has appreciated the song now because he's like this is the whole like i am where i am because this song did so well all right 15 seconds left is that a little like uh his voice in like the background there kind of like screaming a little bit it It almost sounds like it almost sounds like kids cheering i haven't quite figured out what it is oh perfect transition Mm-hmm. So this is the second song on the record. I was I couldn't break up this sequence. It's and this song is so freaking good. I'm getting real Daft Punk vibes right now. Oop, not anymore because there's vocals. <laughs> so yeah, like I said, this is this is when I was kind of saying, uh, you know, when That's you're asking, are they like stories. more thrash heavy, fast, or more like Black Sabbath plotting heavy? I was literally thinking of these first two songs. Like, that. they each re- represent... Ooh. That high synth. Mm-hmm. Really this... dissonant, like, arpeggiator thing. This groove is just so... Uh, it's so infectious. It's like... It's dark. There's some tritones in here. Man. That bow bow reminds me of that, like mm-hmm. the in sync and the Britney Spears sound. Yeah, but like ten years before they bow, did. Bow bow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 bow 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 bow. So the 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 terrible lie that he is grappling with is him questioning the existence of God. He is. He wants to believe in God, but he has been burned by organized religion, and he. It's this this argument between himself that he he doesn't like what he's hearing, but at the same time he wants to believe in something. He just doesn't know what it is. This don't take it away from me, is this don't take away my belief in something. He's he's crying out to God saying. Is there another way besides what I've seen, and what is the normal? Hmm. And so, because he in interviews, he has said, "I do believe there is a God. I just don't know exactly what form He exists in yet." I just—he's like, I just don't buy into the hypocrisy of organized religion. But that doesn't mean that I don't believe in God. I just don't know in what capacity that that statement means mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so pretty heavy dude yeah and so again it's just he's talking about how he feels and how he sees the world and not externalizing to try and bring in you know like a an outsider's perspective 
that he's bringing the outsider's perspective. See what Mm. I did there? (laughs) I will say there's something really nice about uh, dry vocals. Uh huh. Like uh, like Phil and Selmo did a lot of dry vocals on uh, Far Beyond Driven and Great Southern Trim Kill. Axl Rose is mostly dry on a lot of GNR albums, and like that's the sign of a good vocalist. And a whole lot of these vocals sound very dry. Like he like it's his voice. Mm-hmm. Like Ethan, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm not Ooh. hearing very much effect. On yeah, that that sits out there is. Disgusting. Man. It's so weird. Mm-hmm. It is. So good. So yeah, now you now you hear kind of just again the 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 sonic care that he puts into yeah. it. it's it's like, never just put out like this whispering vocal in the right on the pan right and this the singing on the left and like even the verb and stuff. Like whenever you have no verb on it, it's the it's really close in the mix. And whenever even if you have the same volume with with verb, you you like push it back. It has more depth, and just mm-hmm. the placement of everything in the mix is pretty insane. Yeah, yeah. This synth line could not work with any other synth, and it sounds so dark. I don't know how though. It's synths. So you're starting to understand now the yeah the, this marriage he's putting between electronic music and hard heavy music. Okay, so what what album is this? We've, we've so this is actually back. a soundtrack. So we've transitioned to our third song. Mm-hmm. This is from '97, so this is post Downward Spiral. So this is um, it's from an, a movie called Lost Highway that Trent Reznor was in control of the sound the whole soundtrack. And this is the one song he wrote specifically for the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he has stated that he is not as satisfied with this song as others because he felt like he rushed it out. But I think this is one of their best songs. And it's it's gained a very strong following amongst their fans. Like this is this is kind of like a perennial fan favorite. He really experiments yeah. with drums in this song. Like, it's an insane drum track. I don't even know how he put this together. Oh, Ooh. I'm hearing it now. Mm-hmm. These sounds are crazy. Mm-hmm. I will say, I see what you mean. It's like, it feels like the vocal melody was lazily put on a good song. But the underlying song is like, <laughs> wow. And he uses a lot of. He lo- uses a lot of creepy melodies, too. Melodies that are kind of meant to unnerve you in a way. Oh, I like that. I like the sound of that. So these drums are not real? No. And also, they never perform this live because they don't know how to recreate this drum track live. <laughs> this this song is on Rock Band, and it is one of the highest-tiered difficulty-wise on drums. Like it's 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 a song reportedly on I've I've looked on the Reddit threads that no one's ever gotten a full combo on. Hey, because you could be the first. Well, if I had a working drum set, I could. Oh, okay. 
Wow. But I uh, I th- I think this is a really really cool song. I, it takes a lot of really interesting twists later yeah. on. Yeah, we're about halfway through, and and it's been a pretty normal song so far. Oh, there's the twist, right as I said it. And pretty much the the whole song's about a uh, a toxic relationship, about how you know, like a drug, you know that the drug's bad for you, yet at the same time, it gives you the exact fix that you need. Ooh, techno This was at the height of his uh, drug addiction problem. And so, you know, the the similarities are not lost there. Yeah, yeah we're about to get a, we're about to get a really sick instrumental passage here. Mm-hmm. Where oh, the we're drum, having it right now. Yeah, the the drums are gonna go insane. This symphony is awesome already. I can see what Dave Grohl meant. He's not using it as a crutch; like it's actual. It's not it's just the heart. play a cool chord here, play a nice pad there. This is like, like, like I can't even fathom how you put this together. I know. Gosh, it seems like every second would take a day to program. Because nothing is the same. He's he's changing it every single time it goes through the cycle. What the heck? Oh gosh! Wow. Well. Just goes to show you that uh, copy and paste for MIDI may not be the uh, the way to go. Now just wait for this turn right here. Ooh. This, when I heard this song for the first time, this was the moment when I was just like, oh, this, this is one of the coolest songs I've heard in a long time. And that's not a guitar. Um, No. Now he does write stuff on guitar. So he he says that depending on the song, he'll either write on the guitar or on the piano, but then everything does eventually get processed through the computer into the technological realm. But he but that's a that's a line that is most likely was written on the guitar and he was just like, Oh uh here's here's a really cool sounding line and and transitioned it over. Hmm. Yeah, it's just like what a what a bizarre left turn. To way to end it too. Like we're at the end yeah. of the song. Wow. That's cool. Like like this is this is again just a sign that he's a songwriter that's not just like making a song. Like he's very much cognizant of taking the songs in interesting places. Oh, and we're right into this next one. Yeah, sometimes I like smooth transitions. Sometimes I just like to. <laughs> the left and we're in the second half of our set now. Yep, this we are in the downward insane. spiral now. Yes, we are. We're going to stay in the downward spiral for the rest of the set. Oh, we get an odd time signature thing. Yep, we got three seven, sets eight. of seven and then a set of eight. Oh, that's so nice. This is, I would say this is probably the most overtly metal song they've ever made. Like, this could be played by, like, a thrash band, and it would sound, uh, it would sound at home. Yeah. And this, this is one of their, like, live favorites. Like, you can imagine a full band playing this song, and it would sound insane. Mm-hmm. Ooh. 
man, the twists in these songs are crazy. Mm. Um, yeah. That was like a Devin Townsend twist. Mm-hmm. That corporate oh. is sick. So yeah. this song, The Pigs, are how he views society. At this point in the story, his his lack of humanity has increased so much that he just sees people as animals. <laughs> Got this this horrifyingly tense, and then oh. right back into it. So the pigs are the people that just that are that feed what they're given. They follow blindly. They they consume. They never have enough. It's it's a critique on society, but it's a critique from a character that has completely lost his empathy and compassion for people. Yeah, this vocal, the distortion on this vocal was pretty scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. This is part... none of these are real guitars. Yeah, not real guitars, not real drums. This was the one that surprised me the most that it wasn't real guitars or real drums. And this is the song that uh, I mentioned earlier is at like two sixty nine BPM, which is just an insane speed to write a song to. Mm-hmm. Also, if you notice, the song is quite short. It it does yeah. not overstay its welcome. <laughs> the piano moments are really funny. I know. It's very it's tongue in cheek. It's meant to show the futility of what he's doing. This this yeah. feeling that he's more important than he really is. He thinks he can he can change. Oh, the seven, add nine, up there. Nice. But but really, he cannot. Uh, he cannot change uh, people's... Hurry, have the next one. Uh, my, my dog is... is... Ah. My oh, dog got is the keyboard, and I couldn't get to it. You gotta count me back in. <laughs> I'm, okay, I'm here, five here seconds. we go. Three, two, one, go. Alright, okay. We're in sync. We're in sync, everybody. Ooh, that kick is... This this was the song that like exploded them into the mainstream. But this song is one of the most disturbing songs I've ever heard in my life. Really? Wait. Yes. Just wait until you hear what happens in this song. I've heard this. This is I've like their, this. this is their big song. And if you've ever seen the music video to this song, I have not. It's one of the scariest things I've ever seen. So what is it about? So the this is about him trying to assert control over people through sex. To abuse them, to do whatever he wants to them in an attempt to have dominance. While at the same time inadvertently trying to fill an empty space in himself. And just one of the one of the most shocking lines ever in a mainstream song like it's it's it goes there it goes hard yep (laughs) you get me closer to god in his sense that the more he dominates the more he feels like god wow that's his perspective as well as you can say that he's he's in he's describing it as a religious experience. 
because it's the only thing he has. It's the only way he can feel he has control over his life. Wow. Yet at the same time, it's this paradox of he has to give away a part of himself, a part of his soul. Dude, these symphonies are scary. Yeah. Like this song is a is an experiment in consistently pushing pushing the tension up, up more and more and more. Wow. Those pre-chorus harmonies are just they're so demented sounding. Like the whole the first time I listened to this, I was just like, oh god, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> Where how bad is this gonna get? It's just again, it's amazing that a song like this put them at the top of the mainstream. It just shows where that, I mean, it, it's very nineties that only in the nineties could this have happened. Mm-hmm. Oh, and he's getting crazy with the vocals. Mm-hmm. Wow. So you said this is one of those uh, singles. Yeah. Now, of course, it's, it was heavily edited, not just for content, but also for time, because this version... Now, if you notice, there's a different artwork for this song. On the actual album, the last little bit of it gets cut off because it immediately transitions into the next song. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to keep the, the, the more ambient ending to this song, so that way it can yeah. transition better into our final song. These little synth stabs are called the bow, 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 bow. Mm-hmm. So now what we have is we've got a we've got a long, steady climb to the breaking point. Yeah, and then I hear there's a, this synth coming in. A little really... not a guitar climbing up. Mm-hmm. This, this not a guitar. Ooh. Oh, it changed. Yeah, he's he's just going to continue. Every single time it moves through the progression, he's going to add something different to build it up higher. That panning again is crazy. It's so weird. Where's it going? It's going up. So um, there, the video for this was... Um, was aired on MTV, but it had to be edited considerably. Like it had stuff like, uh, like it had a bunch of BDSM gear in it. It had some human skulls. It had a, a monkey tied to a crucifix. It it had some uh, some very disturbing looking people on it. it. But it's one of those you watch the video and you're just like, this is the most one of the most '90s things I've ever seen. <laughs> Just pushing every boundary possible. Yes, and that was their goal: was let's let's not hold anything back. Let's go as far as we think we need to go. And if if they don't play it, they don't play it. Mm-hmm. But then people wanted it. It's just again, it's it's mind blowing to me that this is the song that connected the most with people. If that should tell you anything about society. <laughs> Yeah, like the song people heard was just like, "Oh yeah, I love this band." I feel like it's one of those things where it's like, it's like the edge lords out there that are like, "I like it," and it's art, mm-hmm. and it's but it's what you said, the ostracized and the and yeah. the people that like don't have a place to fit in, like the extremists and the the um the people that are on the fringe that already want to push society's boundaries. 
uh-huh. are going to be all over this. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, this sounds I would amazing say, right now. I would say of any song that has attempted that, this is the best I've ever heard. And there's that kind of nice melody in here. Mm-hmm. Now it's gone. Oh, oh yeah, and we uh, we broke Weird down distorted piano thing. Yeah, the weird, like, slightly off-tune distortion is really making things um, interesting. So, yeah, normally the, the song would cut right there. And it always made me sad because it doesn't aid the transition as well. And so now we get into the final song, Hurt. So this is the final song of the Downward Spiral. This is the ending of the story. Oof. Okay. And this is one of the most personally devastating songs that I've ever heard. So paint the picture for me. So this was when Trent started his drug addiction. And it's pretty much about the... um, is it supposed to be cutting in and out like that on the sound? Uh-huh. What? I hurt myself today to see if I still feel. I focus on the pain, the only thing that's real. What? So oh, yeah, there's definitely an Ed Lord band. This is definitely an Ed Lord band. I think Ethan got it right. <laughs> and that's kind of the the bad misconception nowadays that people have about them is like, oh, you can only like them if you're a angsty teenager that doesn't like their parents. But where Nine Inch Nails gets it right that I feel so many other bands get it wrong is that they're not faking it. Trent Reznor always wrote from his heart. He always wrote honest of how he really felt. Oh, I just realized this isn't a real guitar. You can hear like the individual notes being strummed. Like, yeah, I, I think this is an instance where one of the rare instances where he does have a guitar. Oh, really? Okay. okay. I think so. Everyone I know goes away in the end. Pretty much this, again, the whole song is the whole album he had been pushing no one can have control over me then finally at the end in a heartbreaking realization he says you can have it all my empire of dirt I will do nothing but cause you pain so just leave me uh, to die hmm. that last line of I will make you hurt it, it's it, it's it's sad and almost threatening at the same time. It's like it's this warning of I'll 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 only hurt you, but at the same time, like it's like leave me alone or I will hurt you. Yeah, I don't want to hurt you, but I will. This choppy in and out is adding to this creepy vibe. It's, it's the- making me think of the caretaker music. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Or it's like, it's him slowly dying. Trent Reznor uh, said that this was the most personal song that he had ever written. And he says this, he thinks this is the best song he's ever written. Mm. And 
he all he intentionally closes every single concert with this song, and yeah. it's like, it's kind of like the big sing along moment with the crowd. Dude, those whispers are. Well, yeah, it's 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 very emotionally raw and devastating, especially when you've gone through the whole downward spiral to get to because there's nothing else like this on the album. Yeah. Nothing that's close to being this nakedly vulnerable. Everything else is very posturing, even when it's being vulnerable. Here, it's mm-hmm. just like he's letting his soul bear. Yeah. yeah, it's it, this sounds like uh, at the end of the series finale, right after you beat all the Daleks or the um, neo Nazis with your trunk mounted uh, machine gun or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. That this is the song that plays as as our hero is is dying or whatever. Yeah, it's it's a it's an epitaph. It's it a realization. Of all the bad you've done when it's already too late. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh, yeah. Hello. What the heck? That that last line, if I could start again a million miles away, I would keep myself, I would find a way. I feel like you could interpret that two different ways. You could either say that if he had the chance to start over, he would do right this time, or that no matter how many times he started over, he would just end up back in the same situation. And I'm inclined to think that it's the, it's the latter. It's this, it's this defeated sense of, I wish that I could get a do over, but it wouldn't matter even if I could, because I would, I, my, my self-destructive nature would just bring me back to the same place I started. So I'm in this sense, like like very menacing. Where this, because this feels this does not feel defeated. This feels scary. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it's almost like it's almost like oh, I'm so sad. I'm so defeated. Don't get close to me, or I'll just hurt you. And just take. I guess he's saying take control in the end. But it's almost. I almost feel like he's like. And if I could, if I could do it all again, I would. And it's just like, this is like oh, so you like haven't changed at all. Mm-hmm. I think he died. I'm interpreted as he died. I think so too. Because there's no way you're going to put a noise like that and be like, "Oh, guys, but I'm okay," you know? Nah. Because that book's scary. It's just like, oh man, I'm, I'm, you know, I would don't because it, the whole time he's just like, "Oh, don't be close to me, or I'll just hurt you," you know, and I don't want to, you know, necessarily. But then it's almost like. Yeah, I'm I'm looking into it as like what's the lyric Lucas? The last lyric? Yeah. If I could start again a million miles away, I would keep myself, I would find a way. Yeah, it sounds like that's just it's almost just saying like next time if I had the chance to do it again, I would do exactly what I did, but I would just find a different way than this to mm-hmm. do what I wanted. If even if I had the card stacked in my favor instead of against me, I would still find a way to be in this situation. That's why I, I think, and it's, it adds such a menace to the threat. It's 
he hates what he's become, but at the same time, it's 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 become his comfort in a way. It's you know, it's it's the same perspective that all drug users have that they 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 don't want the drug, but at the same time, they they want nothing but it. Yeah, it's the thing that keeps them alive. Yet at the mm-hmm. same time, it's killing them. Mm-hmm. And that can it can go deeper to, to just talk about that emotional dependency. People that they don't want to have negative emotions, but at the same time, they welcome it when it comes. They're, they've they've rewired themselves to feed off of it. And so someone that is like that, he's he's telling me he's like, this is for your own good. Do not come near me. Oh guys, this is dark. Yeah. But that's our set. So well, well after that depressing uh little <laughs> little adventure we had. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's uh let's talk about where these songs fall on the ranked playlist. Yeah. Oh yeah, let's do that. That is important. So um we have uh two, three, four, five. So all of these songs are in the top ten. We have March of the Pigs at number eight, Terrible Lie at number six, Head Like a Hole at number four. The Perfect Drug at number three, Closer at number two, and Hurt at number one. That makes sense. Hmm. So, okay. Oh, you'll have to mind my dog. She likes to bark sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. You you guys have now, now know what Nine Inch Nails sounds like. I know. Dang. Well, it was nothing like what I expected. <laughs> I will yep. say that much. We'll find out in the next section if that's a good thing or not. Yes, we will. <laughs> All right, we'll go ahead and take another break here. When we come back, we're going to talk about what we just listened to and give our final thoughts about Nine Inch Nails. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Ethan. Welcome back to the Good Music Podcast. We just got done listening to our set list of the week together, uh, which was Head Like a Hole, Terrible Lie, The Perfect Drug, March of the Pigs, Closer and Hurt, all by uh, Nine Inch Nails. And now it's time for our final thoughts. So at the beginning, we kind of give our kind of first thoughts, which is where we give a scale of 1 to 10 on where we're at with the band. And now it's time for our final thoughts. Um, A lot of times getting context and actually <laughs> for me and Grant's case, like listening to the artist at all will change your opinion. <laughs> um, this is kind of a weird scenario because we'd never heard them before. So we're literally starting from middle, which is a five completely neutral, except for Lucas, who's seven. Um, but now it's time for final thoughts. How has the context of the band and the story of the band and this kind of sound, um, and by the way, great set, Lucas. But Grant, how has uh, this set affected your opinion of Nine Inch Nails? Well, it was a good set, like always. Um, and man, see, okay, I, 
I liked our discussion, like, for the first section, talking about who Nine Inch Nails really was and the fact that it's literally one guy doing it, you know, and, um, like, shaping the sound himself and that everything's synthesized. That's so cool to me that that's how it's done. I, I thought really... you were anti-synthesizer for some reason. Yeah. Well, okay, no, I'm not anti-synthesizer. I'm anti, like, EDM. I don't like I don't like the EDM like uh, tropes. Okay, that's fair. Where everything's a build up and it's the same thing over and over okay. again. Just what this was not that, you know. Um, that's why I liked it a lot um, because it was it 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 took a little bit more architecture, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like this is definitely not in the wheel of things that I listen to, um, but it took a lot of thought and a lot of like coming up with really complicated rhythmic things, especially and really complicated sounds that no one had ever really done before. Um, at least from, from what Lucas is telling me. And so that I really respect. And on a personal level, I kind of liked it. Um, I, I kind of liked a lot of the different sounds that I was hearing. I like how they're, it's kind of dark, um, but it's also kind of technical and it's kind of metal, but it's kind of not. Um, and man, it, there's a lot of different emotions. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to put myself where Ethan was, at the, or where Lucas was at the beginning, at like a soft seven. Like, <laughs> I liked all these songs. Some of them I liked more than others, right? I liked all these songs. I am excited to listen to you know, I honestly, I'm probably just going to go through their first four albums, just listen all the way through. Like, that's probably what I'm going to do after this. And um, I don't know. I My favorite is between Head Like a Hole and Hurt. Um, I liked the hooks in Head Like a Hole. I liked the raw emotion in Hurt and the weird vibe that it gave me. Like, it, that was a very special, like, thing that songs don't normally do you know and i didn't have the context for it and yet i felt like i understood everything and that's something that's really really crazy um so but maybe on a more primal level i think i'm just gonna have to lean towards head like a hole just because like it's stuck in my head after all those songs um the reason why i wouldn't pick closer is because i had heard before and the first time i heard it and i heard that chorus i'm like huh that's a little weird so I didn't I didn't understand the full meaning of the song, so it was kind of off-putting. And obviously only hearing it one time, I can't undo that. So um, but yeah. That's kind of that's kind of all of my final thoughts. I am impressed and I am excited to listen to more, which I will do on my own. So I'm gonna hand it off to you, Ethan. Oh man. This is I was saying this right before we record, like right before we post play on this one. I'm between three, and I, I kind of wish that we would have saved the rankings because I feel like I could have, I I could have predicted that Hurt would have been the number one. And even though I, I agree with Grant, where it's like Hurt is the te- the technical best out of the six, you know. 
And but I feel like it also gets a little plus one because it's the end of the concept, so you feel a lot of closure, you know, with the song, anyways, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've been between terrible lie, perfect drug, and closer. Um, and I, I mean, it is so hard to pick. It's it's like terrible lie. I feel like has this freaking groove that is just insanity the perfect drug has that like sick drum breakdown that i would probably go back and listen to like if that was like perfect drug i feel like i would find myself coming back to that a lot but then closer is just like it i feel like it just sounds the best out of all of them (laughs) like closer is mixed the best and i feel like you know what I'm saying? I don't know if you guys feel the same struggle as me. No, I'm don't. probably, I'm probably gonna go. I'm probably gonna go with "Terrible Lie" as my favorite in the set. It's, it's just, a worthy pick. It's it's just like, man. With I think the perfect drug is probably a close second and, and closer is an even closer third but man that creepy synth line on terrible lie just does it for me yes. <laughs> yeah it just does it for me yeah and I think just all around Nine Inch Nails I'm excited to also listen to like the newer stuff because like if he's he scored Soul you said yeah which is just crazy you know (laughs) um but just i i'm curious about i almost want like a a very quick volume two on nine inch nails because i i feel like i understand them now i i want to see the progression and i want to see how the sounds evolve and i want to see how he evolves as as an artist because he's a very interesting non-typical like frontline person like it's almost like he's more of a studio engineer and producer and songwriter than a frontman, but he's also the frontman. You know, well, it's almost like Nine Inch Nails is just his avenue to experiment. You know, yeah. well, he is also an insane frontman. Yeah, but but it's just like it's just this weird hybrid. It's, I, I almost feel like he's like a mad a mad scientist of the music world. Yeah, and so I'm I'm more curious of, about like what other stuff has this guy freaking done? You know, like mm-hmm. I'm more just interested in him as like an idea generator. Um, so that's kind of, so I started at a five. I think I'm at a, I can't put myself as a, as a, at an eight. Oh, by the way, for everybody, uh, five is neutral. Six is I kind of like it. Seven is there's some songs of theirs that I love. And eight is I know and love most of these songs. So I don't think I can put myself at an eight because I don't know any more than these six songs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the fact that I think I have, I've never been between like four out of the six songs for being my favorite song, you know, in a set mm-hmm. yet. So I don't feel like it would be fair for me to give it lower than a seven. So I'm, I'm I went from a five to a seven. All right, that that's always exciting to hear, it, especially with a band like this. I kind of don't, 
I didn't know how you guys would react to it if you'd be like, man, this is too much for me or it's too edgy. But I also kind of banked <laughs> on the fact that I knew you guys would appreciate the well, song doing. Nothing is going to be edgier than Meshuggah for me. It, mm, yeah. Edgy, edgy but like, is it's just harsh and edgy. Like, edgy yeah. is not bad if it's done right. Yes. It's and... easy to do it wrong. But the, again, the thing I like about Nine Inch Nails is that they do it right. Yep, exactly. Okay, so um, I, like I said, started at a seven. I would definitely move myself to an eight at this point. Not not quite a nine. Yep. But I would say a very strong eight. Um, my appreciation for Trent and Nine Inch Nails has gone up considerably after hearing a lot uh, more of their discography, I, I still haven't listened to everything. I didn't rank their entire discography just because I ran out of time. Um, but I am, I would love to uh, get to a second episode of theirs sometime in the near future. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's going to be really near. Yeah. Cause that's just typically not how, I frame it, but that's not how we roll. Yeah, but I'm gonna keep you on on the edge of your seat, people. Absolutely, we will return. Um, my favorite song. This was really hard. I think I have to go with the perfect drug. Wow! Wow! Because of that uh, that drum, and, and not. That's actually not. It's for me. It's the way the song progresses. Because mm. yeah, again, like I said, parts. when it when it goes when it went to that that subdued uh, section at the end, that like blew my mind when I heard it. Because I was like, I was, I was, I remember the first time I was, I was just like, this is pretty cool. I like this. And then it went there, and I was just like, oh my god, this is amazing. Like what a what a a baller move to take that unexpected turn right there mm-hmm. and i was just and immediately i heard i was just like i gotta listen to that again um but man head like a hole is also really high up there for me that's just that's just a song that's just so expertly crafted but i think that the perfect drug wins out um we also got to talk about Harry's pick. Now, yeah. I did not let Harry listen to this whole set. Right. For obvious reasons. Yes. But I did I let him listen to the first two songs as well as a couple of other select songs that I knew were okay for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um my boy really got down to terrible lie. Yeah. Ooh. Um I uh I got that song on Rock Band. That's one of his favorite ways to listen to the songs is to watch me play it, and then he'll dance and sing along. With every time that chorus would drop, he would go into the funkiest dance groove, <laughs> and then he would just and he would just yell "terrible lie," and then just like just groove around. Yep, that sounds about he, right. He was the one that sold me on putting it onto the set too, because originally I had a different song in the second part. Wow. And wow. he kept listening to Terrible I was just like, 
and I, and that's what grew it on me. I was just like, um, you know what? I should put this on the set because this is really good. <laughs> so thanks, Harry. A man of a man of refined taste. Mm-hmm. Also, a, a little bonus. My wife Callie, she said that her favorite song was the the bow down song <laughs> which was had like a whole but she couldn't remember that's what it's called she's like i, I really like the bow down song <laughs> so um, yeah it was it was a really fun set to put together thank you so much scarlet for uh recommending nine inch nails to us this this turned out to be a really fun episode to do and uh, if you uh, hear your favorite artist on an episode, make sure that you uh, let us know what artists you want us to cover next time. You can even recommend artists too. So it doesn't have to be an artist we haven't done yet. You can also recommend, hey, I really liked this episode. Can you do another one? Well, we can uh, do volume twos on request as well. The best way to send us those requests is to uh, send us a message on social media, on Instagram or Facebook, or you can leave us a review because that also helps as well, and you get a chance to to throw out some suggestions. And um, make sure you guys hit the subscribe button if you enjoyed this episode. We have new episodes every Monday morning, 9 a.m. Central, Next week, we are going about as far away from this genre as you possibly can. It's going to be a brand new genre that we have not talked about before. Ooh. And an entire realm that has not even been touched. But there's going to be a connection that you're not going to expect. So make sure that you, uh, you tune in for that next week. And... Um, Check out the links in the description. One of them goes to our Patreon page where we uh, have our exclusive segment, our After Hours Bad Music ex, uh, Extra Series, whatever we call it. And uh, we're going to be talking about this week Nine Inch Nails' six worst songs, which I think will be a pretty fascinating dis- discussion. Do we have any contenders for the end of the year? Battle Royale? Um... I I don't think so. It's actually not that bad of a bottom six, but you know it's not good either. So, if you want to hear us talk about those, make sure that you uh, become a patron. And also, there's the other link that takes you to the Spotify playlist. If you didn't listen along with us in the previous segment, then please make sure you go check out those songs. Although I would recommend some uh, some parental supervision. Since since some of these songs get yeah. a little intense, yeah. Viewer discretion advised. I guess that's a better way of saying it. Um, but you should definitely check them out. And um, that's it. Thanks for listening. I'm Lucas. I'm Grant. I'm Ethan. Keep on listening to good music.